Cooper knew what would happen next, and waited patiently with his camera as she made her way to the door with her suitcase and child. As he anticipated, she stepped onto the platform and into the billowing cloud of steam that was coming from the train's wheel housings. Shafts of sunlight streaming through the vapor that swirled around her gave the scene a providential glow, intensifying its emotional impact. And in a mere sixtieth of a second, with the decisive click of his shutter, Dylan Cooper had captured this moment for all eternity. That was weeks ago, and Cooper had taken countless photographs at the train station in the interim, photographs of the poor, the tired, and the hungry, who, as had Cooper years earlier, survived a harrowing sea voyage, endured the indignities of immigration processing, and made their way to America's towns and cities. Yet the image of the intrepid young woman on the train, the Madonna and child, as Cooper thought of them, had stayed with him, and it was the first negative he developed and printed when he returned to his room on Dorchester Street in South Boston. The stout Irish woman who ran the rooming house had shown Cooper a large room in the front when he inquired about vacancies. Two dollars a week. You keep your own house, and you keep to yourself, if I make myself clear. Cooper nodded as he looked the place over, drawing thoughtfully on his pipe, which was as much a part of him as his camera. You wouldn't happen to have one with an electric service now, would you? Indeed I would, but it's fifty cents more, and it's in the back. Electric service, she sniffed as she padded down the hall, leading Cooper to a room half the size of the first. I can't imagine what the likes of you would be doing with that. The room was disappointingly small, but Cooper was pleased to discover that, along with its single electric outlet, it also had a large closet. And since moving in, he had spent most of his time in the latter, printing photographs with the bare bulb and pull chain he had rigged on the ceiling, and hunching over the trays of chemicals he used to develop them. He worked round the clock, leaving the closet only when he could no longer stay awake or because the strips of leather he had tacked around the door to keep traces of light out also kept the smell of bromides in until he could no longer tolerate the choking fumes. And it was here, in this makeshift dark room, where Dylan Cooper was making the new beginning that had brought him to America. A confident fellow, with a bit of a swagger, Cooper had a mane of unruly salt-and-pepper curls that defied any attempt to control them, much like their owner. He had no doubt he would one day achieve the artistic acclaim that would afford him proper living quarters, and more importantly, a professionally equipped darkroom with running water and a sink to wash his prints, not to mention a gas-fired heater with a rotating drum to dry them. For the time being, having spent his last penny on his prized Graflex View camera, 
He washed them in the tub in the bathroom down the hall, which did little to endear him to those with whom he shared it, and dried them the way local housewives dried their wash, instead of socks, shirts, and underwear, dozens of luminous eight-by-ten-inch prints hung from the clothes-lines crisscrossing his room. Cooper was convinced these were the best pictures he had ever taken. He had no doubt they would be hailed as works of art. He had become obsessed with getting each print just right, with a full range of gray tones set off by velvety-rich blacks and pure sparkling whites. When the last print had been made, dried, and adjudged perfect, Cooper carefully placed it in a box with others of equal quality. Then he took his mackinaw that hung from a nail on the back of the door and left the room in